Okay, well, welcome back to our podcast, The Gospel According to Jesus, and I'm here with Jerry Wyant, and my name is Jim Hughes. Jerry, for this podcast, we're going to carry on our message of the power of the gospel. It's always great to open God's Word, amen? Amen. God's Word is powerful. The Word of God is living, active, and I want everybody to understand that, that listens to our podcast, that it's active. It, it's a, it plays a part of your life. It gives you direction. It gives you understanding. It gives you hope. It can penetrate the hearts of all men. It divides the soul and the spirit, and it can judge thoughts and intentions. And those are very important attributes of the Word of God. When we start out here, I want to always open up with our, our theme scripture, which is Amos 8.11, which says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. Today we're going to look at what is going on in our society and why. And we've talked about this on, a, on the first couple of podcasts, that uh, we're seeing such a, a movement towards anarchy and just rebellion, the things that we shouldn't see in our society. So we now have 330 million people Jerry, living in our country. That's amazing. I was watching a old show on the program. It was uh, called Dragnet. They said that in L.A. in 1968, there was 3 million people that lived there, and I think there's closer to 9 now. So our, our country has exploded in, in population. But listen to this. We have the most murders in our country than we ever have. We have rioting and mayhem not seen since the 1960s. We have the highest single mothers in our country's history and single moms in the world. Listen to these stats. The U.S., 24% of those moms that live in the United States are single moms. And compared to Russia, which is 18%, and Germany, which is 12%. So 50% of all Americans attend church, and that's down from 60% in the 1960s. 20% of Americans say they are not Christians and don't believe in God. There are more megachurches now than there were 25 years ago. And between 80 and 90% of people heeding the call to the modern gospel message will fall away from the faith. So every 100 people that make a decision for Christ, 80 will fall away. You know, that's, that's staggering, Jerry. And I, I know that you know, as a believer, you know, we want this message to be proclaimed throughout the world, and especially right here in our own country. But 200 years ago, it didn't used to be that way. 200 years ago, preachers of the gospel would have a much greater retention rate than we do now. So what's the difference? Why is it so different? And I believe what we're talking about right now is the difference. And I believe it's the message, and I believe it has a lot to do with the message has been watered down in our country and I think in other parts of the world also. But, Jerry, what do you think the reasons that Christianity has declined in the U.S.? Well, Jim, it's good to be with you this morning. I always love sharing God's Word, but I want to go to Hebrews chapter 5 and start at verse 11. And it says, Concerning him, we have much to say and is difficult to explain since you have become poor listeners. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles 
of the actual words of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unacquainted with the word righteousness, for he is an infant, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to extinguish between good and evil. Jim, I was looking over that scripture and it just hit me. If you liken that to school, if you start out in the first grade learning how to add and subtract, and by the 12th grade, you're still learning how to add and subtract, you go to college and you still learn how to add and subtract, you haven't learned any more principles other than the milk of mathematics. You're not taught calculus, you're not taught geometry. And so what good is it in the body of Christ to teach just the milk. And that's what's happening today. So I'm going to reverse that Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, in a sense of the pastors today are preaching milk rather than the meat. And when they preach the milk, everybody feels good. I read on one of my Christian messages about a prominent pastor who was on CBS Sunday morning, and they asked him, why he didn't preach about hell. And he said, people already feel guilty enough. They're not doing what they should, raising their kids. We can all find reasons. So I want them to come to XYZ Church, to our meetings, and be lifted up to say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm moving forward. I'm doing better. And I think that motivates you to do better. And that just hurts my heart. Because listen to Jesus' words, he spoke of heaven and he spoke of hell. And so for a person, especially a pastor, who is supposed to give us the full word and is taking out parts that he doesn't want to preach, that takes our Christ-likeness away. And he might as well just tear the pages out of the Bible that reference that. And that it hurts my heart because... Unless we preach the full word of God, people are not getting what they need. It's almost like raising up soldiers. You know, it's like giving them a gun to go fight, but you don't teach them how to shoot it. That's what our Christianity has become. So when pastors begin preaching all these different types of messages, especially one where it says that there's different ways to get to heaven, that you can not necessarily come through Jesus, but there's other ways by living your life good or believing in this or believing in that. That's all a false gospel. And people start grabbing on that, and they leave basic elementary foundation that they were taught just of milk, and there's no heart for them to fight the fight. There's no heart for them to get in the game. There's no no desire for them to be a participant rather than a spectator. And I believe every time some issue comes into their life that doesn't agree with them, they just walk away from Christianity. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, I... That's amazing because that's what the Holy Spirit is saying today on our podcast and that it does matter. And I agree. I mean, living this life of walking with God is a blessing. It's powerful. It's awesome. There's a a lot of great attributes. It does change your life as we've been talking about. But I think that that message is, is, is really cart before the horse. And there's a discipleship problem with that message. And So I'm going to share a scripture, and it goes along with what you're saying, Jerry, and you're right on the mark with what you just said. And it was amazing that you saw that pastor because we're, you know, we're seeing a pastor that's running for the Senate in Georgia that he's deceiving people. And it's sad. And it's because 
those pastors aren't opening up the Word of God. So I'm going to share this scripture. I think this is a scripture that a lot of you have heard, and you know it by heart. And if you don't know it by heart, you should know it by heart. But I don't think we have totally heard what this scripture is saying. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish. That goes along with what you were talking about, hell, Jerry. I mean, he doesn't want people to perish, but shall have eternal life. John 3.17, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world. There you go. I mean, you can already hear the people. That's right. You're not supposed to judge. Well, it's because people don't read the whole scripture. It says he sent his son into the world to judge, not to judge the world, but so the world might be saved. So really the underlining message there is that Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world. The world was already judged. That's why Jesus had to come into the world. It was judged. Jesus came to set the captive free. Jesus came to forgive sin. Jesus came to totally transform the hearts of men. Then you go to John 3.18, and it says, The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who has not believed has been judged already. That's powerful. Because they did not believe in the name of the only Son of God. John 3.19, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. So let's break this down. You know, I'm a, I'm a mechanical person. I have always, you know, I just something that I grew up with. We, you know, when I was growing up, we farmed. We had 240 acres of wheat and alfalfa, and I grew up learning how to do mechanical things. And so I'm going to break this down kind of mechanically and it'll come out spiritually at the end. So first, God made a way for man to be saved. Amen? I mean, that's right. I mean, that's why Jesus came. Second, man had to be saved from something. If you don't have to be concerned about hell, if you don't have to be concerned about those things, you just come in and and everything's wonderful, then why did he come to this world. Why did he come? Well, he came to deal with the sin problem. Third, those that do not believe have been judged already. So there is a judgment and people will be judged. And then fourth, evil or sin separates you from God. It separates you from God for eternity in heaven. So really it's understanding that God has made a way and he's made a way for you to be with him forever and ever. And so I, I remember when my grandmother, who was a good Nazarene lady, she, she did her best to present the gospel to me when I was real young. And she said, Jim, do you know how long eternity is? And I said, no, not really, Grandma. She goes, well, look at it this way. If, if you gave a bird a job to go to the moon and take one grain of dirt off the moon and fly back to the earth and deposit it, However long it took that bird to do that wasn't even close to eternity. And I know that's a pretty rudimentary way of looking at it, but it always, it always stayed in my heart that this whole thing that Jesus came to do was to bring us in relationship with God, to forgive us our sins, and to make a way for us to spend forever and ever with him in heaven. That's powerful. That's awesome. How do we know 
we're sinners. I mean, we've been talking about this for the last three podcasts now. This is the difference, as I spoke about earlier, between today's gospel and the message 200 or 300 years ago. So this is the thought today that you need not need to tell people. You don't need to tell people they are sinners. And that's exactly what you just said, right? I mean, you don't need to tell them about hell. You don't need to tell them they're sinners. They already know it. Well, Jerry, I've heard this being said that people already know about sin and they don't need to be told. Right. I mean, have you heard this before? Well, sure. There's pastors on TV that have such a powerful grace message. They never deal with sin. They say that grace, what Jesus did on the cross, covers it all, no matter what you do. And the problem with that is there is, as Jim said, there's going to be a judgment as well as victory in everybody's lives. Those that accept Christ as their Lord and Savior and walk according to his word are going to be very pleased when they get to heaven. Those who reject and walk away, even as Christians, I think they're going to have a rude awakening when it comes. Because so many people, and I've seen it in many, many churches, you've got an incredible amount of sinners, and they're coming to church, and that's good, because we love the sinners. But the sin has got to be dealt with, but nobody wants to deal with it. It's easier to preach, again, the milk rather than giving them the hard word of God. People come with itching ears, and if we offend them, guess what? They go somewhere else. They'll go to a place where their ears are itched. It's good news, no bad news. They don't want to hear anything about, my sin will take me to hell. They want to say, I'm covered by grace, I'm going to heaven. There's no requirements after asking Jesus into our heart in a lot of churches. Well, that's the beginning of our spiritual walk. We've become soldiers of Christ. We've got to be trained. We've got to be given the tools to be able to stand, to be able to fight, to be able to love, to be able to do all the things that Christ did on the earth. And that takes a little bit of our time to walk where he's called us. Oftentimes, I read an article where in our spiritual life, we put a pause button on our spiritual walk because life gets in the way. We raise kids, we have a job, There's so many things that happen in our lives that we don't try to grow anymore until after we get to maybe retirement. But that's not the way it works. We have to be Christ in our workplace. We have to be Christ in our family, to our children. Everything that we do, we have to be Christ. And that's teaching them that sin is wrong and righteousness is what takes us to where we need to be. There's very seldom anymore in churches they call for holiness, and they don't call for sanctification. You don't hear a lot of these words anymore that they used to preach years ago. If you go to the old, old-time old gospel preachers, they really come down with fire and brimstone. Well, perhaps that's not acceptable as such in our culture today. Everyone has to have the opportunity to understand if they're doing wrong, they need to change. God gave us the Ten Commandments so we know what we need to follow because the people didn't do very well doing it on their own. They messed up pretty regular. We have to get back to that spot where we know that we know that we know that this is wrong and this is right. And there's forgiveness. And then First uh, John 1, 9, John says that Jesus forgives us. Amen. When we come to repentance, when we ask him for forgiveness, he's just to forgive us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So it puts us into a right standing of righteousness. So we have to know what the sin is we're committing. We have to speak it from the pulpit. We need to speak it to our family, to our friends, and let them realize this is sin and this is not. Yeah, that's good. 
And that's exactly what we're talking about today is today's gospel message is one of enhancement, which that's what the difference of today's message and what it was 200 or 300 years ago. Christ enhances your life by giving you something, love, joy, a, your best life as your best life ever. As I heard one mega preacher say it, what? Well, I mean, what are we talking about? Your best life ever. I mean, are you talking about it's better than heaven? That's better than being in the presence of God. That's better than spending eternity with the one that saved you, that changed you, that brought you out of darkness. No, it's not. And so that message is incorrect. Yeah, he does give you love, peace, and joy, as, as you've mentioned in the last two pro- podcasts. That, that's exactly right. I mean, when I came to know Christ, those things came into my heart. I was, because my heart was changed, I was more loving. Uh, I had more peace. Why did I have peace? Well, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to spend eternity with God, that I was going to be in heaven, the, the, the peace that God loved me. The gospel it is an enhancement. It's, it's the message of what you need to do to be saved. So we hear all the time, I, I kind of mock this a little bit because it kind of bothers me, we, but we hear all the time that a pillow will change your life, that over an over-the-counter drug that helps you sleep will change your life. You know, I watched this one movie, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that movie is, and it changed my life. Well, listen, Christ is the one thing that can change your life truly. Pillow's not going to do it. It's Jesus Christ coming into your life. So the gospel of today and the gospel of the Bible is the difference between having people stay solidly in the faith or falling away. That Christ came to deal with sin and to once and for all make a way to overcome it. Yet people like Charles Spurgeon or, or, or D.L. Moody or Charles Finney and countless others thought that the unsaved needed to know they were sinners. That's what separates the message of today and the message of 200 years ago. You know, they, they say that Charles Spurgeon had 20,000 people show up at his meetings. That was before electricity. So he, he was basically shouting at the top of his lungs to get that message across because that message drives people to it. That's what the difference is between today's message and 200 years ago. So how do we know we're sinners? I mean, how does that happen? I mean, you're obviously maybe in a church where you haven't heard this and you don't understand this. Well, we look at God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Psalms 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Say that again. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Wow. I mean, that's kind of strange, right? I mean, I I haven't heard that uh, in a long, long time. I'm sure a number of you listening probably have never heard that. Galatians 3.24, the law has become our schoolmaster or tutor to drive us to Christ. Well, that's Paul saying that. You got Psalms, you got King David writing this, and then you've got Paul saying this. Romans 7.7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, listen to this, I had not known sin, but by the law. So if you're not hearing that message come across the pulpit, if people are just coming forward or raising their hand or winking or whatever they're doing today, it's contrary to what the gospel message is. James 2.10, everyone listen to this because this kind of ties everything together. 
for whoever keeps the whole law. So if you could keep the whole law, I mean, you try and you try. I mean, we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scriptures. I mean, they tried their best to keep the law. Yet you break one law. You're guilty of breaking them all. Okay, fine. What, what does that guilt bring? Well, that guilt brings what Jerry was talking about. It brings eternal punishment. It brings separation from God for eternity. The Bible calls it hell. Let me ask you something. Think about this as I ask you this. Have you ever stolen anything? And I mean anything. I know I have. I have things coming to my mind right now that I remember when I was working out at South, South Texas Nuclear Project. Because I was a pipe welder, I, we would use different instruments to grind on the material that we were welding on. And one of them was called a rotary file. And it was a carbide-tipped file that was very expensive. A typical one of these little uh, rotary files would be 60 70 bucks. I mean, they were expensive. And I remember taking, before I got saved, I remember taking a few of them from the tool room and taking them home. And after I got saved, I started thinking about this, and I started thinking about, it's not that big of a deal, right? I mean, my spirit, now new and renewed, kept saying, yeah, it is a big deal. So I remember the day, Jerry, I walked up to that tool room and I handed those rotary files back to that tool room guy. And he goes, what's this? I said, well, I'm just giving you back these. I, I, I took them. And he goes, yeah, well, everybody takes it. Don't worry about it. I said, no, no, it's wrong. And I'm bringing them back. Have you ever stolen anything? Paperclip, anything? Right now, unless you're lying to yourself, you're saying, yes, I have. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? I have. I know those that are listening have, and if you're really being honest with yourself, you have. I mean, even once, you're guilty. So there are just two laws. I'm, I'm talking about just two laws, Jerry, that we have omitted, we have broken. That guilt of breaking those laws brings death, separation from God. It brings judgment. So remember, we read that you're already judged outside of believing in Christ. Now you know why. I mean, you there's that sin nature. You've made these mistakes. Now you know you're a sinner. And now that you know you're a sinner, you need a Savior. Amen? You need a Savior to take care of that. So ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask Him to come into your life. Whatever those sins are, those are different for different people. They're common, but they're also different. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and change you. That's the good news. That's what we're bringing you. That's what we're talking about, this, the difference between the gospel now and the gospel 200 or 300 years ago where the retention rate, meaning people would stay in the faith, was a lot stronger because they understood that message. That's the good news. You don't have to stay there. You repent of those sins and you ask Christ to come into your life and he breaks the chains of sin, death, and hell. Glory. Amen? I mean, that's, that's what it's about. So if you've done this right now, I mean, if you've thought this through and you've done this and the Holy Spirit has convicted you, share what God has done in your life. Reach out to Jerry and myself via email. My email is, is jimhughes71 at hotmail.com. And Jerry, your email is P-T-L. Praise the Lord. PTL, my last name, Wyant, W-Y-A-N-T at AOL.com. Amen. 
Well, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, we really appreciate it, and we'd love to hear you or, or hear from you. And God bless you, and, and take in to your heart what God is saying to you today. See you next time. Blessings.